Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 129. Today, we're talking about how to raise Generation Mindful with Suzanne Tucker. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate calm in their daily lives to create more peace and cooperation in their families. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft. Welcome. I'm so glad you are here today. I'm so welcome back. If you are part of this Mindful Mama tribe, and welcome, welcome, welcome if you are brand new. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Suzanne Tucker. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Suzanne Tucker, and I'm going to be asking her about mindful parenting and how she turns things around with her own children. And Suzanne is a parent educator and founder of Generation Mindful, a line of educational tools and toys that nurture emotional intelligence playfully. And make sure you stay tuned to the end of the podcast because I'm going to let you know where you can get one of my personal favorite thing that Generation Mindful has made, the Time In Toolkit. 
you're going to hear how our brain is ever adaptable and we can flip situations to see every challenge as a gift. You're going to learn what Suzanne's super powerful mantra is that saves her in tough moments and how punishment and boundaries are two different things and what are the differences between punishment and boundaries. But before we dive into this episode, I'm going to give you a quick message about our upcoming free mindful parenting training coming up real soon. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. And now on to this episode. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. <laughs> I'm so glad we could talk. I'm so excited to introduce my audience to the work you're doing and, and all the work on an emotional intelligence and playfulness and connecting Before with kids into and all of this like amazing stuff that you're doing. I'm really curious about you and your own story. And, and some of the ways I like to bring this back is to think about like, you know, you're very interested in parenting, mindful parenting, conscious parenting. What was your own parenting story like? Like, how were you parented as a kid? Is this something that you are like extending or you're rebelling against? Or what was that like for you? Yeah, so such a great question. It's all full circle, isn't it? It's all it's all generational. I see yeah. your work that that thread that is generational. So thank you for asking. I am I'm a daughter actually of parents who never yelled, right? So wow. <laughs> people say what? So my mom and dad raised seven children. I'm the fifth of seven. And I can honestly say to you that my mom never, I, I have no memory of her yelling. But what I do remember is the power that my parents yielded in their expectations of me. And I was a cooperative child, right? I was one of those kids out there that wants to do good and be good. And so really early on, I internalized this idea that if I, if I was good enough, right, if I did good, that I was good. And so I guess in today's world, you'd call it a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. And, you know, it was never overtly spoken as a family belief system that I needed to be good to be loved. 
But I think that's what's so interesting about how the child's brain works is that children are just little scientists. And I certainly was. I was a big time watcher. I like to watch people. I still do. And I, I'm an empath. So I was deeply feeling. And that really confused me as a child in a big family who sort of got the memo that it was about being happy, happy, happy and, and doing good and being right. So that, that actually hugely influenced me and my work. My work is I'm a physical therapist for 25 years and my husband and I own a holistic health center in St. Louis and that collaborative holistic East meets West way of seeing the person and healing and everything we're doing is really the root of Generation Mindful. So I started a community for parents and educators that said, you know what? We are love, like period, right now, just the way we are. There's nothing to do and nowhere to go. We can really just rest into the love that we are. And from that place, from our enoughness, we can grow. So that is, thank you for asking. Nobody's really <laughs> ever asked me about why that, going way back, but I think that would be my, my why. It's so amazing. That's so, so unusual to have parents who never yelled. I imagine it must, must have been weird for you to like go to a friend's house and have like a, a, a parent. I mean, you know, because that happens, you know, you go visit your friends and they're like, go oh, do this, you know, or whatever. That must have been really strange to experience other people's. Yeah. And again, like I said, and I'm sure you, you are an empath as well or a deeply feeling child, if you think back. So I was so deeply feeling that yes, other, other adults, I got to say, frankly, scared me. You know, I I was, I was such a watcher that people don't need to yell for you to get the memo. You know, if you think about, (laughs) I like to think about puppies, you know, and the way we are with dogs, you can use hand signals, you can use body language, and they're so cued in that they're listening. And some of us don't know that we start to train a dog and we think we have to yell at them for, for them to hear us. And I think if you think back to people maybe don't make that connection with children. It's really the same. They're really cued into us with their limbic brains so subtly, at least I was as a child, that people that yelled that, yeah, really did throw me off. I, I thought, what? Why are, what's going on? <laughs> Why are we getting all crazy about it? But I also want to say that, you know, it, it, it doesn't take yelling to throw negative energies out there in the world, right? So mm-hmm. I do think that it really is about our intention and and that it's not about being perfect with our kids. We can yell and we can be angry and we can be frustrated. For me, it's about noticing and owning those things. And the one lacking I would say as a child growing up is that there was a lot of unclaimed emotion going on, you know, because not yelling, I don't even know if that's the most healthy thing in the world. Never <laughs> yelling. Because sometimes we are having big emotions. And if we can put a word to them or claim them, like, you know, I'm just really yeah. frustrated right now. I find that that's a, that's a real healthy environment for adults and children. So, yeah, yeah, to acknowledge those things. So I mean, it's huge. It just, just labeling something provides so much relief, like as we know, right? Yes. Uh, unclaimed emotion. So it sounds like, you know, there was, there was that pressure, pressure to, to be good, to be loved and to always kind of be positive and et cetera. It was definitely the the belief system that I internalized and it it doesn't mean that it was so. Mm -hmm. I I think that's what's really liberating for us as parents to understand that our children are souls. They're having a unique spiritual experience. And that's what I came to study and work on was the love that I am innately 
whether it's being validated from outside of me or not. And certainly it was being validated. I have super loving parents and my, I mean, my, my formative youth experiences are so uh, incredibly foundational and grounding. They're really a blessing, but I think it's a lot of the foundation for the work that I do was that, but I'm here to tell people that if we think we're going to do it right and parent perfect <laughs> and right, and then our children <laughs> grow up without any challenges, or if we think that they're our, our fault, that our children are growing and struggling, you know, I would be a perfect testimony to say, no, that is false. We're just each spiritual beings on a path, on a journey to learn and grow. And that, and that happens through experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you re- you saying that because it's, it makes sense. Like we, we have these meaning making brains, right? We're always wanting to know why and how and why. Why? Back to why? Can we talk about why again? Yeah. <laughs> and and so when we think about ourselves, we get some self understanding, and we think about the way things are and why are the way things are. You know, there's always that tendency of you know, of course, and and obviously I have that curiosity too. You know, we trace things back to to how we were raised and how we grew up, and so then there's that very much human tendency of blaming and and judgment and. Some seem, it's hard for, it's very hard for moms, especially to escape that self-blaming and that self-judgment. And it's, it's, sometimes it's like, you know, we can't hear those words enough that, that we're, we are going to mess up and, but it's also in some ways like not our fault, you know? Yeah, actually I feel like it comes down to our expectations and I'm really big on goal setting and then canceling goals that are running me that aren't working for me. And I really believe in the body embodied experience. So looking to I daily, hourly, really by the minute, turn back into my body and say, what is my internal experience about what's going on in my world right now? And when I say my world, my thoughts. So Mm -hmm. one of the radars that I have set up for myself that was really helpful early on when I was transforming the amount of shame and guilt that was kind of running me was I started to put out a radar that, that looked for the word should and try. And I re- I really benefited from that every time that would show up or any sort of feeling of guilt in my body. And I would say it was when my, I have four children, they're almost 18, 15 and twins that are eight. And it was when my oldest two girls were probably like three and five that I was at this pivotal place of recognizing that I was, where was my joy? You know, where was my joy Mm -hmm. that I was really running a number on myself, a lot of stress that I thought I was going to do it right. You know, I was going to just do this thing right. And I was setting the bar so high all the time for myself that even though I was nailing it, let's say I was at 95%, there wasn't that joy factor of celebrating what was going on in myself. When I started to look to my thoughts and identify, oh, there's guilt running you right now, or there's less than bliss in your body right now. What does it feel like in your body? It feels heavy. I would just stop and literally breathe in through my nose. I am love. And then I would breathe out through my nose. I am enough. Mm. And that practice, that very simple practice, my my mantra has pretty much saved my life because I just, I needed to anchor my thoughts somewhere and that was the way that I did it. And that was the way that I took what I consider truth and brought it into my body to where it could really live for me. 
And, and that, to me, that, that was the turning point, that practice. Mm, I love that. Breathing in, I am love. Breathing out, I am enough. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. We need that. We need that so much. It's amazing how harmful and difficult our, our brain is. <laughs> as far as- you know what? It's, it's amazing to watch. Harmful and difficult are two great words. Yeah, I, I would, I would put an asterisk by that, and I would put adaptable. Yes, I'm adaptable. In awe of how adaptable we are as human beings, and I think every gift has a challenge. Every mm-hmm. gift has a challenge. That's how I look at my life and my children. I, I, I think, and, and when I do coaching. You know, sometimes we're quick to come up with the problem. We see it as a problem. And I teach baby massage every Friday, every morning, Friday morning at 10 a.m. I sit in a circle. It's a sacred circle of parents, brand new babies, you know, in the world. And we're full of the struggle, right? And the challenge. And sometimes we're just getting to know our little one's natures too. And, and, and that can kind of throw us. But what we practice is just sort of breathing into what is in this circle. They can be crying. They can be very sensitive. They could be sleeping when we went them up. You know, it's just a whole bunch of letting go is what it is. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's about that flipping what I see, like you said earlier, the judgment mind, what I see as a challenge or a problem, quote unquote, I like to structure it as a, as a challenge and then look for the opportunity on the other side. <laughs> that helps me a lot. You know, so I think that our brain is highly adaptable 
And, you know, there's this research around dopamine. I'm sort of a research junkie. I love the amount of information we have out there about the brain and how a relationship and, and, and mindfulness specifically. But I also know that information can be disempowering for us if we're not careful, right? So we need to read things, take in the information, let it filter through us, and then look for that embodied wisdom in our body that says, oh, I love that. That's for me. you know. And it'll just light you up when you feel something that's for you. So I, I had that experience when I was reading about dopamine in the body and how highly adaptable we are. Have you read much about this, about this that I'm talking about? I'm not sure. I'm really curious to see, hear what you're saying about the, the dopamine, because it's not ringing a bell for me. But I, I want to put a footnote on, I love how you took like, oh, how the brain is, can be so harmful in some ways. I'm thinking about like, of course, the, you know, the, the negative mindset and that kind of like fear part of the brain, but it's also of course very helpful. And I'm really glad you underscored that and talked about that adaptability. So please tell, tell me about the dopamine research. Sure. Well, okay. So they did the study where let's imagine you're walking to work every day, Hunter, and on your way to work, there is a $20 bill they measured your reactive states and your chemical states in your body, both by blood and then the brain waves, what was going on in the brain. And they found that you had this huge rise in dopamine. So dopamine is sort of a feel-good neurotransmitter that says, do more of this, right? I like this. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually found in learning in the body. So when we do something that works for us, that dopamine hits the reward center of our brain. It makes us want to do it more. And so what they found in this research though, is they, every day you're walking to work, they put this $20 bill down. And after about seven days, guess what happens? Your brain adapts to now expecting to find a random $20 bill on your way to work. And when you don't find the $20 bill, not only do you stay level in your pleasure state in your body, you actually go down, right? So now, just because you're not finding a $20 bill, you're having a negative embodied experience. I read that and I was like, oh, mind-blowing, right? Like this so explains my life, right? (laughs) I am setting the bar every day as if I'm going to find a $20 bill on the ground and then I don't find a $20 bill, my embodied experience goes down. So do you know what I did? I started shifting my goals. And that is the brilliance of having an adaptable brain. If you're not aware of it, it can run you. But if you're aware of it, you're now sort of in the control panel, control seat, where you can set that reset those expectations. So the way I do that and the way I teach with my my community is by daily setting small goals and then celebrating them like you are a rock star (laughs) when you hit them. And that could be like, I wiped the counters, boom, you know, rock star. (laughs) And so I literally make it a practice to celebrate in my day myself and the, the little things. And that's become a big part of what Generation Mindful is. You know, we're a line of practical, playful tools that nurture emotional intelligence And the way we work is literally based on that science that I want to help you break it down and celebrate. Boom. I rock. Look at what we just did. We just connected 
around a card game and we're sharing and we're making eye contact and we're having these little moments together, you know, and it's fun. And and so I want to help make that an easy, practical, kind of a ritual or habit for families, mindfulness, connection, attachment, all that theory and all that science is awesome, but it can also run run us and disempower us if we don't feel like we're able to do it or celebrate ourselves in that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Breaking it, breaking it down into small bits and then celebrating those wins and appreciating that, you know, it sounds like you have a great appreciation practice. Like, yes, this is, (laughs) I appreciate this thing. And that's an important practice. Get into all the science around gratitude. I guess that would be it. Yes. Habit. Yeah. Habit to get into. So what led you to start creating these, these products and things to help people help kids and parents connect over emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was actually, it was the parents in my positive parenting classes, which I did for years, I've done for decades. But in the last two years, I've been doing them pretty regularly live in, in groups of 30. And I learned so much through those experiences. And the main trigger for me was a mom that after the end of class, she raised her hand and she said, uh, Suzanne, I'm hearing you in my head. And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, and she said, no, no, it's not a bad thing. She said, I was going to lose it on my child last night and lose it, like really lose it. And she said, I just, out of nowhere in my head, I heard connect before you correct, which is a mantra we use in class a lot. And she said, literally with that phrase in my head, everything shifted. She said she got down low. She made eye contact. She did all the things, right? And, th- and she said that she, she felt that they just, like they, they just flowed for her. They, it wasn't like she worked at it. You know, she had been working at it before. And so she was having kind of an embodied experience is what I would, is what I would say. And after she shared that, she said, so how do I do that again? How do I do that more when I'm feeling stressed or my child is acting out? How do I share that with my husband? How do I, you know, she was a list of hows. And I just breathed into that experience. I had one of those moments in my body. It was a profound moment where I really identified the struggle. And the struggle that I saw was the embodiment, the embodiment of the knowledge. And, you know, so that was easy. I went home and it just started coming to me. The answer was play. The answer was play. The answer was daily and ritual. And it was starting with our thoughts, right? So it's our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And so with that, I set out and I created a game called Peacemakers, which was really the first thing that came to me. I knew I wanted, this community was coming, but it really came out in the form of the first product. And it just started unfolding from there. You know, as I identified our six core values, it was then easy. It was just like, they just kept coming. It's like, okay, just transforming everyday problems that we're facing as parents that led to the time in toolkit because in my work, I just family after family found myself coaching families away from the punitive and timeouts and coaching them into the affirmative, which again is the brain science is how the brain actually learns was through the positive and through play. And I did that enough times that I kind of woke myself up and said, okay, here's the next opportunity is turn that into something fun, you know, that just begs to be done every day. And and that's sort of the course we're on is identifying 
the hard parts, the challenges, and turning them into opportunities, and then solving them in playful ways that become a practice or a ritual. So I'm so excited to like get your cards, but I haven't, they haven't arrived yet. <laughs> so I don't, I can't get to speak. Well, to you know what? Do you want to play? Because I have a deck here and I've played with people. I've played with people on, uh, over the computer. All right, let's play. You want to play? Bring, okay. bring it, Suzanne. Bring it, bring in the fun. Yeah, you know, we could talk about play all day, but let's just do it. <laughs> so well, the deck comes with 42 cards. They're they're affirming mantras, right? They all came out of my positive parenting classes. And what I love about the deck is it, it leans into the science that says we actually, we teach by example, right? Yeah. We learn through connection and play and we teach by example. So it comes with seven cards. They're the white cards that are really just made for you and me, the, the parents and the educators, and even maybe the adult children or teens of the world. They're going to be wanting to play with the seven card deck. And then it comes with a 35 card deck that breaks these sort of seven theme or bigger mantra concepts down into tiny little nugget bite-sized mantras that even a three-year-old can grab onto and laugh and play with. So that if you can visualize a deck in front of me with 35 blue cards that are the kid cards and then the seven adult cards. So I'm shuffling right now, Hunter, and you are going to just feel in your body. Just take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your nose. And coming to the deck, my little seven-year-old said to me, Mommy, I think my card picks me like that. And I said, I think you're right. So it's that experience of your card picking you right now that I want you to have in your body, Hunter. And when you feel it, just say, just say now, and I'll stop my finger on your card. Now. There it is. And so your card says, it has a little cute little red bear on it. And it says power. Ooh. I am powerful. I am part of a whole. I teach and guide by example. I help others know themselves as powerful and connected. Amen, sister. Yeah, you are powerful. <laughs> and that is that is the root chakra today for you that's vibrating in. So for me, this work, it's on many levels. It's not only words, but it's color and it's energetic. So I might pull this card and then I might put on a little red nail polish, you know, bring in the red today. Or I might just hang little red bear up somewhere that I can see him or her and let that kind of marinate in my body today. So for you, there it is. That's your word. I love it. Uh, I can, I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> and then sometimes we play in the game of like, then maybe you think about that and maybe you want to share you know, or maybe you don't, <laughs> you know, what, what lives for you today when you, yeah. when you hear those words or say those words? Yeah. Well, you know, this podcast is sharing, uh, powerful messages and I have other work connecting with people today that I'm, I'm really excited to, to share some powerful messages with too. So yeah, this completely resonates with me. So this is cool. So you, everybody, you, pick a card. So you, you envision this as like a family getting together and kind of like daily connecting with these positive, powerful mantras to, to just nurture these, these positive mindsets. It is. And it, it makes it a practice. So a lot of people will pull the card in the morning at the kitchen table when they're eating breakfast and they'll put the literally just magnet them up on the, on the refrigerator. And then at the, you know, when your child comes home from school, instead of, you know, how was school today, you know, which is like fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, 
these can become conversation prompts. So, or a lot of times parents revisit it at bedtime. And so they're tucking them in and you are love. Did that, did little lovebird come up for you today? Did you see little lovebird today? Did that message come up for you today? And sometimes the answer is no. And that's okay. So the conversation we're having can be really deep around a vibration or around a thought. Positive or affirming messages don't only work by almost like brainwashing you. And I think that's how some <laughs> positive affirmations work. They actually bump into cellular memories in our body that do not match. Think about a tuning fork. If I hit a tuning fork, it's going to vibrate a similar tuning fork that's by it. It will send that resonance energy over and it will actually cause that other tuning fork to vibrate. Hmm. When I say a word in my body, if that resonates truth in me, it'll find that kind of matching tuning fork in my body and it'll start to vibrate it. And that would be like an affirming message that, you know, that's how that kind of strengthens that in us. But at times it'll actually bump into a wall that it's actually not vibrating for us. And so that's when I sort of go to that place in my body and I breathe and I break it down and I look for the negative belief systems that I'm carrying and, I, and that's where I, I go to work in cleaning those up. And that's actually how these work in a very more complicated way to explain it with parents and children or actually educators and children. But they don't need to know all of that. They can literally just be having these conversations and they're going to be doing this deep inner healing work that transforms generational patterns yeah. through belief systems. Yeah, just by uh, questioning them, becoming aware of them, these cards are helping you to be, you know, really kind of check in with what feels like truth in your body. It is, yeah, in a playful way, you know, so the smiles, it's eye contact, it's all based on that limbic brain that says, if we're connected and I feel safe, then I can... I can learn and grow. I can share with you. I can, I can talk to you about how I hit Bobby on the head today because I wanted the toy it was holding because mm-hmm. I feel safe with you right now. And you can actually, you actually have a chance to teach me now because we're, we're connected. We're connected brain to brain. And now when you go to teach me about something, I can actually pick it up and embody it and take it powerfully empowered by what you're telling me instead of just shamed. Oh, I'm bad. I suck. I hit Bobby over the head. That's not nice. Everybody knows that nice, not nice. I must be a monster. You know, I think that's what a lot of three-year-old little scientists out there are determining from their little science experiments out in the lab called the world. They're determining that wow, clearly I've got this wrong (laughs) (laughs) because I've got these inclinations in my body that are rooted in self-preservation. You know, I want the toy, I'm going to get the toy. And so really the movement that we're on is getting rid of the shame and teaching children in a way that feels safe about the body, about relationships. And then with those abilities to name their emotions and regulate their bodies, come these sort of high-level mastery skills that you and I know exist in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, you know, an area that only starts wiring about age three and doesn't really get done till age 26. So instead of sort of running a number on children like, hey, how come you're not operating with a full, you know, deck of cards, we're actually connecting with them developmentally appropriately and, and helping them form a really strong prefrontal cortex that they can access. 
Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So I love everything you're saying, and I want to take the role a little bit of devil's advocate here. And for one thing I work on a lot with my parents is this idea that for something like hitting, don't I have to like create a boundary? And then by they, what they mean by a boundary is I have to yell, I have to stop it, I have to you know, create a punitive boundary in order for them to understand that this is really wrong. So talk to me a little bit about how you might talk a parent through that. Great question. So number one, you do need boundaries. Absolutely. And boundaries are love. So where we get really confused is that punishment and boundaries are two different things. Punishment causes aversion response. So if I punish you for something, then I'm creating a negative embodied experience that creates an aversion response within you. Okay. That's how punishment works. It's like if you have a lab rat in the thing and it goes and does something and it gets gets zapped by electricity, that lab rat will potentially avoid doing that thing based on fear of getting zapped. Okay. That's punishment. Mm -hmm. Discipline is to lead and guide by example. It's from the root word disciple. So discipline is boundaries and it's rooted in feedback like a scientist would get when something happens, there's a cause and effect and then you learn from the effect. But the embodied experience of discipline is not one of fear, okay? It's actually, I'm in my body I'm in my thinking brain, I'm processing what's going on, and I can learn from it like I'm a scientist, okay? So the distinction is, do I need to lead into fear and shame in order to teach children? And that's the, that's the big lie. That's the embodied experience many of us have because we were taught that way. So we believe in what we experience, right? So there's no shame at 
at having that truth in your body as a truth that you think that we need to have punishment in order to teach. If you are there right now, I, I hold my heart open to you in the biggest way. I want to just wrap my arms around you and just breathe with you. I'm not here to challenge you or to say you're wrong. Not at all. I honor that that is the embodied experience that you have. And in that place of just love and connection and safety, when we're there together, I would open up that door for you that says learning happens when we can take what is happening out in our external world, embody it and make it our own and then act on it. And that's the opportunity we have for a child who just hit a child over the head. We have an opportunity for self-awareness empathy and compassion for others, and then a little tiny brain that gets to work on how do I, quote, make this right, right? Or how can I go back and do a do-over such that the end result that I just saw happen, which is my best friend crying and me feeling really sad in my body, how can I do a replay where I've learned from this experience now and I can embody that hey, there's another way. It's called, I have my words. Or, you know, or I can go to someone to help me. Do you see how that is such a powerful learning experience for that child then? That they can actually learn and grow and embody that for the next time? I feel like sometimes we think we're, we feel like we're hitting our head against the wall with kids. We're like, oh, but it's because the technology we're leaning into so often is negative or aversion. Mm -hmm. And that only causes an aversion. It actually doesn't cause learning. Mm -hmm. So they, it actually triggers things like lying or doing it when we're not there because it's not empowerment-based education. They haven't actually learned. They've just avoided. So yeah. that's, that's what I would say about the difference between discipline. Discipline is very firm. It's very clear. And my child might cry in the face of my discipline. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it wrong if my child is having emotions. That, that's probably one of the biggest things I teach is to let go of happy as your barometer. Because <laughs> as positive, mindful parents, we think that if we're doing it, quote, right, that we're going to be kind of blissed out on top of a mountain. Everybody's going to be in lotus pose. <laughs> you know, and it's going to be this really yin you know, yoga experience all the time. Actually, that's where emotional intelligence come in. It's actually going to be a very emotive experience if we're having a mindful experience. Because mindfulness is being present in the moment with non-judgment, right? With joy and ease. It's, it's being there in the baby crying with the, that's hungry with the wet diaper. It's not denying or suppressing that. It's mm -hmm. just being there, like mm -hmm. in the chaos. Like, here I am. I'm I'm in the chaos <laughs> with my emotional toddlers who are very not happy right now that they don't have the color lollipop that they wanted. You know, I am there now. And then you can show up more powerfully. So that was beautiful. I really appreciate that. That answer about it only, aversion only causes aversion and, and there's not that learning there. And so going back to that idea of connect before you correct, it's like, yeah, like when we can connect, when we can not be a threatening to the, our child's brain and we can actually, then we can teach them about, you know, this is how this affects the word the world and things like that. And that is, that is a, a consequence, you know, that, that, you know, there are these natural sort of consequences to those 
experiences. And I, I really appreciate that. So this idea of, you know, being mindfully with our, with the chaos, <laughs> you know, being mindfully with the chaos. How did you do that yourself when your, your kids were younger? You've got four kids. How did you, how did you? They're twins right there at the end there. So. Oh my goodness. So how do you, and how did you, when they were younger, have the, fill your cup, have the wherewithal to be able to have enough bandwidth for you to be able to sit with chaos. Yeah. I think you're hitting on such an important distinction, which is that it really starts and ends with us, right? Mm -hmm. It really does. And it starts and ends within my body with really uprooting guilt as a motivator. I like to say that guilt is the poorest of advisors. And and he was like the head counsel in my body, right? Like, you know, if you think about the the movie, uh, what is that? Inside. Inside uh, Out. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Right. You think about, I, I don't know where guilt was, but he was surely at the head of my panel. You know, I don't know where that character was in the movie. They had anger, they had fear, they had all these things. But if you think about guilt at the panel, that was the quickest way for me to lose my power. So literally the practice for me was just noticing when it was running me. And, you know, here's something interesting. When you talk about emotional intelligence, one fourth or 25% of our emotional intelligence comes from what they call self-care or self-management practices. That's huge. And if you just really let that settle in, it's not just going on vacation or getting your nails done, you know, like we talk about, oh, you know, take a break for you. It's really emotional intelligence. It's like the root of our emotional intelligence comes from our ability to love ourselves, to care for ourselves. So I think when I let go of guilt, which was surely running me in the first five years, I would feel guilty if I left my child to go rollerblading with my friend. So the entire time I remember when my, my first child was a baby, it was the first time I was like left her to go do something fun just for me. Right. And I met my, my best friend at, at the park to go rollerblading and it's a six mile loop. And the whole time I'm rollerblading, I'm at home with my baby. Right? Mm-hmm. I am not there. Then what happened? I'm feeling guilty. I got home from rollerblading and I felt guilty for not being there with my friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I just was not present to my, my best friend. I was there for, for an hour and I wasn't present. I was back here. So now I'm back here and I'm not present with my child because I'm feeling guilty that I wasn't there with my friend. And I, re- I kind of realized in that moment, like, hey, this isn't real efficient. <laughs> this isn't real efficient because now you did neither. So I just sort of had an embodied experience of where my power lived and my power lived in where I was in that moment. And if I could start to really believe that, then I could actually hit the pause button on certain things and almost compartmentalize them and pause something to be here now you know, and then to really honor that this experience I'm having right now is worthy and to give it to myself. Um, and besides, you're there anyway. You're there anyway. <laughs> you might as well be there all the way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I love this idea about self-care as 
restorative and a practice. I think people think of self-care as like girls night out or take a trip with your husband or go away, you know, go away, go get a massage, go get your nails done. Now those are all lovely things, but really my restorative practice was in my head. It was in my breathing and it was in my thoughts. And when I started treating myself a little nicer, you know, and started noticing what was going on in my body, my restorative practice it doesn't take any more time. We're already there. And that was a game changer. That was really a game changer for me because it, it's efficient, right? You're already right now, right where you are. How are you treating yourself right now? You know, are you treating yourself with love? Do you hold yourself, really hold yourself in the sort with the sort of loving, adoring eyes that you hold your child? Can you turn those eyes on yourself right now. Just do it. I mean, that's, that's it for me. It's just right now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a change of mindset, right? Yeah. And it's a change of mindset that my well-being and health and happiness is just as valuable yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as the well-being and health and happiness of everyone in my family. And for me, it started with, I am enough. Yeah. The root of my not being able to prioritize myself or of giving, giving, giving wasn't anything other than I was not truly able to hold myself as enough, Mm. really enough right now today, just the way I am. Mm. When I really sat in that, then just the other things really started opening up for me. Breathing in, I am love. Breathing out. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Oh my goodness. So there's so much I could talk to you about. I just wanted, I want to see what you think about kind of the, the idea of the intensification of parenting and that, you know, all the information out there and some of the, you know, this idea that some of the pressures and the things we put on ourselves as parents, um, you know, does it, does some of our intensive parenting undermine us, especially as women? Oh, absolutely. So we live in an information age. We just have to recognize that. And if you're going to live in it powerfully, you want to have information. You don't want information to have you. Okay. So it's sort of like, are you working the technology or is the technology working you? So, and that comes back to intention. And it's new for all of us, right? So we learn through experiences and none of us have been raised at this age as digital natives. We're all new to this world. So it starts with me for saying, number one, I have information, which means when I come to a book or a podcast or a class or a friend who I'm talking to about my experiences, and maybe I am looking for support or knowledge I want to pause and really clearly set my intention to listen with my body, not my brain. Listen with my body. So when you hear this podcast and something lives for you, I like to say that you are remembering or the thing that you are hearing is lighting up in your body and you're having a bodied experience of something you already know. But be aware that in this information age, you can be very quickly disempowered and give your power away to all the experts, quote unquote, and books and things outside of you. And then you're actually having a dis 
embodied experience. So we all know what that feels like. You know, your best friend or the guy, not your best friend, guy on the street tells you or your mother-in-law or you're feeling judgment and shame because something you see on the TV or reading a book. That's a disempowering, disembodied experience. So that for me would be my, my thoughts on that. Hmm. Yeah, we, we have to be curators now. Like I think that for millennia in human history, right? So forever, we were gathering resources, we we're getting resources, we we're always doing that, right? And now it doesn't make sense, I think, for the human animal to us to be able to have to say no to resources, to like, to curate, to declutter, you know, it's interesting. It's like a big shift, I think. To refine. You are the filter, right? You really are the filter. Have your filter in place consciously. If you have your filter in place consciously, all the information can be coming at you, right? Just like a baby that I work with in infant massage class has a lot of sensory information coming at them because we're sensory beings, but it doesn't have to run you and it doesn't have to be a negative. It can actually just be kind of awesome. It can be like awesome, just awe inspiring. You can look out and see all this movement and energy and wisdom and ideas and people and sensory data out there. And then you can have your filters in place. And what will happen is it'll be a much more regulated experience to be in this information, hyper-connected information age that we live in. I'm super excited to be in the information age we live in because I couldn't do what I'm doing and make the differences that I'm making as a single individual if I didn't live in this hyper-connected world that I'm in that says I can put a little thing out in the world and actually affect you know people in 40 countries just from my little tiny website, right? <laughs> like, that's to me super awesome about the potential power that we have. And like, you know, you can see something really great go viral. And I just really celebrate like, wow, like the, the super collective consciousness that we are is right now, right in front of us. Like we're super tapped into the web, right? The web, the interconnectedness, oneness we are. You can see it that way. That that's my joy. You know, when I look at it that way, I look. I see the potential of it. I see the opportunity of it. So I, I don't know. I would just give that perspective that you know it can be really disempowering and overwhelming. If it is, then just hit a reset button. Shift the way you're you're operating in the time and age that we're in, because we're here now, right? This is the opportunity. This is yeah. it. This is it. Yeah, we got to give ourselves those moments of pause so that we can be present for all of that. But I love that. This, it goes back to that appreciation practice you were talking about earlier, like taking this challenge of all of this information coming at us and changing that filter to, to have that awe about it and that appreciation about it. I really love the way you do that, Suzanne. That's really beautiful. So how can people find out more about you and what you're doing so Generation Mindful is definitely a community. So if you find us on the web online at our website, genmindful.com, it's probably the one of the easiest ways to start the journey there with the, with the community, G-E-N, mindful, M-I-N-D-F-U-L.com. And just join, you know, it's free. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out. We have a weekly live Facebook opportunity. It's called Feeling Fridays. It's a live chat where I hop on for five to 10 minutes every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we, we break it down. You know, I like to say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. 
you know? So we just sort of break down this big topic called feelings and being a mindful family, being a mindful educator. And we pick one mantra a week and we talk about reality versus illusion and then how to really embody it playfully. That's it. That's one. We do that little practice every Friday. So that's how you find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram. We're, we're wherever you are. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I think that the voice you bring to this work is really beautiful. And the, the way you've taken this opportunity to create ways for parents and kids to connect and to, and to really bring these empowering thoughts and appreciations into our daily life is, is really beautiful. So I really want to thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for everyone out there listening. You're, you're so awesome. I just so super celebrate who you are. The fact that you're here listening to this podcast alone, I hope you're just celebrating yourself right now. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. I hope you loved Suzanne as much as I did. Now, I want to let you know that you can get my number one most recommended product of Suzanne's, the Time in Toolkit, by going to mindfulmamamentor.com slash resources. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash resources, and you'll find a link to Suzanne's Time in Toolkit and more. So I hope you check it out. I really loved what she had to say about the difference between punishment and boundaries and that hopeful message about the adaptability of our brain, which is so, so wonderful. I love that. So if you have any questions, you are welcome to reach out to me on Facebook or email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. You'll see me a lot over these days in the in if you want the background, kind of the behind the scenes look of what's going on in my life, you can see that over at Instagram.com. I'm at Mindful Mama Mentor there. And I hope you will be joining me for the Mindful Parenting free training. And that is starting on September 17th. And you can go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training to join us there. And then we'll be live every day doing trainings. You can, you know, we'll record everything if you can't make it, but I hope you'll, hope you'll be there with us. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. I'm wishing you some peace and some equanimity in your week. And as we are here at this crazy season, time of transitions indeed. So I'm, I'm sending you wishes for peace and in my own family too. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So I will talk to you soon. Talk to you next week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy and there's no roadmap for this. Until now, I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. 
You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.